to a friend I mean, years back now, and I was telling him how much, like, I enjoy watching this. Uh, and I said, you know, it's just, there's so much dialogue and there's so much kind of richness to it. And he's like, yeah, that's the reason I don't like watching it. So I'm like, all right, to each his own, I guess. Um, but yeah, George Bay, obviously, he's, he's dealing with an issue. I mean, he is seeking some peace in his life. And his version of getting peace would be, let's just eliminate me altogether. Uh, then I don't have to deal with all the problems I'm dealing with. No one else has to deal with me as a problem. All that's going on is just eliminate me entirely. Have you ever wanted to just kind of step out of life that way? No? Yeah, we, we entertain these thoughts sometimes. Really at the core of it, there is this desire and longing for some type of wholeness or peace in our life. I was looking at this website. It's the ultimate top 10 website. You'll love it. Look at it. There's all kinds of fun stuff on there. Uh, but here was kind of a serious one. The top 10 wishes that people had. Now, it weeded out a couple things like wishing for more wishes or wishing to be a millionaire um, and kind of got to like real heart matters. And here was the top three on the list. The number one thing was happiness. And we would say, that makes sense. People wish for happiness all the time. In fact, we strive in all kinds of ways for happiness, sometimes unhealthy ways. Freedom was the second one there, being free from all kinds of things. That would make sense as well. But the thing on the list that showed up, number three, was peace, this longing for some type of peace. Now, I'm sure we might have a different definitions about what exactly that means. Uh, for some people, it means no more confrontation. I don't want to have relational strife in my house with my kids or with my spouse. I just want peace. Oh, and we kind of want to orient things that direction. But peace shows up. I want to share a phrase with you that I think we'll hit on several times. And I want you to walk away thinking about this because it drives us to action. The phrase is this, peace comes when we allow Jesus to be our counsel. When we allow Jesus himself to be our counsel, our advice, the, the one and the thing that speaks into our lives, where we say, I'm not sure what direction to go or what to do, I will let Jesus be the one who speaks into me. There is peace that comes with that. Now, if our definition of peace means no hardship, no confrontation, no strife at all, uh, well, that may not match up perfect <laughs> because there are times when it's hard even walking with Jesus in his ways. But there is this form of peace in walking with him in all that we do. Here in the scriptures, Old Testament, 700 years before the time of Jesus, Isaiah is writing in chapter 9, verse 6, and this is what he says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, this is his name, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, where we get our counsel, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's start with a question. 700 years before the time of Jesus, it's prophesied that Jesus will be wonderful counselor. Question is, why did they need to know this? I mean, this is written about Jesus, but it's written way before Jesus, hundreds of years before Jesus. Why did they need this? When it says Jesus would be wonderful counselor, I'm curious, maybe you are too, where are they getting their counsel at this point? Why do they need to hear the words, Jesus will be a wonderful counselor in what he has to offer? Now this phrase, you know it pretty well if you, every Christmas we, we go over it. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. It finishes with Prince of Peace. This is in Isaiah chapter 9. Can I just go one chapter back in Isaiah chapter 8 and share with you where they're getting their counsel up to this point? 
Take a look at it in your notes if you'd like. Isaiah chapter 8, this is where we find they're seeking their counsel. When somebody tells you to consult medians or spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Like, where are the people turning to for their counsel? These spiritists, we might even say the occult, they're seeking the dead for advice for the living. And this is God's people. This is the nation of Israel that Isaiah is writing to. So you might be a little shocked, maybe a little stunned, that Isaiah would write about wonderful counselor. This is what he describes as where they're seeking their counsel, which means these were dark days. And if you've read anything of, of Israel during this time in the Old Testament, that's indeed what this is. Dark days, dark times. They are certainly not seeking peace through God's counsel. Therefore, Isaiah has to write this. He's basically challenging the people. This is what he's saying. Why are you trying to conjure up dead spirits in order to get advice? Doesn't make sense to him at all, right? Counsel for the living. Shouldn't you be consulting your God and not the spirits of the dead. Listen, friends, when Isaiah says that someday Christ will come and they will need a wonderful counselor, you need to understand where they're getting their counsel from. Question for you, where are you getting your counsel from? Where, where do you get and seek your advice? Where to go in life, how to make your decisions, what to say yes to, what to say no to. How do you find that? Where do you seek that from? In fact, the next verse that uh, Isaiah is writing here has this kind of light, dark motif. It shows up in scriptures quite a bit. Here's what it says. Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. Now, Isaiah is telling them to go to the scripture. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no, what does he say? Light of dawn. They don't have light. It's, it's dark. It's blinding. If they don't have this light of dawn from the word. So he's saying it's dark. And these are the days if, that Isaiah is writing. This is what's happening. But no, it's worse. It's actually much worse. Because they would have this king named King Ahaz. If you, re if you read the Old Testament, you might be familiar. But let me give you a little reference if not. Ahaz was about to lead them into some of the darkest days of their history. He's actually making these political alliances with other countries that he thinks will make them strong, but really it's going to bring destruction upon them. Did you know this this happening? Did you know this was going to happen? You see, the time is coming shortly called the Babylonian captivity. We've talked about this a couple times in our What About the Bible series. The army of Babylon is going to sweep down south through Israel, and it's going to be utter destruction. Anyone that does survive the destruction, they're going to be hauled away 500 miles into captivity in Babylon. And this actually it happened. In fact, it's a marking point in the Old Testament history. We need to understand when they're receiving advice and counsel from their king, they're receiving counsel that's going to lead them into some of the darkest days they've ever had. The business writer Jim Collins in his book, How the Mighty Have Fallen, some of you in your business world have read this. He writes this, a great CEO cannot single-handedly build a great company, but a terrible CEO can take one down. And we see this in the Old Testament. 
like one godly king does not build the nation alone. God is building it. But it seems like these arrogant, godless kings just about wipe it out entirely. I know, you're like, Tom, thanks, man, for the Christmas message. So uplifting and encouraging. <laughs> Let's pray. Go on your way. That's where chapter 8 ends. And then chapter 9 begins. And it's like, almost like Isaiah can't wait. He is ready because when he jumps into chapter 9, the whole tone changes and he starts to talk about a vision. And this is a vision of a future and a vision of Messiah coming. It's a vision of hope we talked about last week. And it's a vision of peace. Take a look at chapter 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness, we just read about them. They have seen what? A great light. Of those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And in just a few verses later, for unto us a child is born. Isaiah is speaking about a new hope, a new peace in Christ that's coming. And Isaiah, what he's saying here, I mean, this is 700 years before the time of Jesus, is that this darkness you have been facing, this darkness will not have the final word. The people Isaiah is talking to, they're traveling through the darkest time. And listen, this didn't just last five years, six years. This is a 500, 700-year walk for them. And he is telling them here, darkness will not have the final word. Darkness will not be the final chapter of your story. Do you need to hear that this morning? Do you need to hear that for yourself? I know some of you right now, like you're passing through a season of life where you would say like, man, everything's just going great. <laughs> it's blessing. It's wonderful. I can't even imagine what would go wrong, right? But some of you are walking through a period where it's not that. And you're struggling and you're hurting. And if you were honest, you might say this is some dark days. You might even go so far to say right now, like this is some of my darkest days I've walked through in my life. If that's you, can I just tell you something? And I wrote it down. I want you to hear it this way. May our gracious God send light that invades your darkness. May he send true, real laughter that pierces through your grief. May this season of difficulty also be a season of real, pure joy. May our God speak goodness into your life so that this season of confusion is followed by a season of clarity. May the dark valley through which you travel be interrupted by God's gracious light. Isaiah writing in the dark days of King Ahab to those walking in darkness, a light begins to shine. Why? For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and he will be wonderful counselor that leads to Prince of Peace. And that period went when Isaiah was writing. And some of those promises were even forgotten. The seasons went, the seasons went. I mean, this is years. This is decades, as we said, hundreds of years. In fact, empires rose and fall during those times. We had the Babylonians and the Persians and the Greeks, and then the Romans come in. They're the ones in charge when, during the days of Jesus. And the child is born. You know the story. Mary brings forth her firstborn, a son, and you have the nativity. We'll celebrate that on Christmas Eve here. I hope you'll be here for our services. You have God coming to earth in human form. You have Christ with us, Emmanuel, right there in their manger. And what's his name? It's Jesus. But also right there is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, 
Prince of Peace, right there, maybe a feeding trough, laying in a manger. There was a disciple named John who, who went with Jesus for three years, was tight, a follower of Jesus. And this is how Jesus described God, the creator, coming in the person of Jesus. Chapter 1, verse uh, 1 through 3 in his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things are made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And then check out verse 4. In him was life, and life was the light of all mankind. I mean, John is writing, in him there's life, the baby, and light, the life is light. And you can't help but see the connection of what Isaiah said, that a light now shines. Those who are walking in darkness now have light. And Jesus is now described this way. He's wonderful counselor that leads to Prince of Peace. Peace comes when we allow Jesus to be our counselor. And I wonder, like, I wonder when, when I, John is actually writing this down, if he's just thinking about the prophecy and the promise that Isaiah is writing as well. They go so perfectly together. Well, now, you might know Jesus doesn't stay a baby, right? He grows. He was a toddler. Did you know that at a time he was a toddler? He was an adolescent, parents, uh, at a time. And he grew. Eventually, he became a, a teacher, an adult, and he started to collect disciples around him. And as he, as he was teaching, this was his counsel that he was sharing with his followers. Now, I find some of his teaching or his counsel a little disruptive to my life or the way I might want to live my life. Do you? Let's look at a couple here. Jesus is uh, drawing a crowd together. You might know this as the Sermon on the Mount. He's on a hillside, and they all came to him, and he was saying this to him. You have heard that it said, love your enemy and hate, or excuse me, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. Does that sound strange to anyone? Yeah. I mean, Jesus, you know how it works, right? We bless those who bless you, despise those who despise you, Hate the people who hurt you. I mean, even as I say that, you can almost feel the darkness coming out in those words. Can I ask you something? Anybody ever hurt you? Mother, father, family member? Maybe a boss, coworker, business partner, neighbor, somebody at church, pastor, spouse? Anybody ever hurt you? I got another question. What are you going to do with that? I mean, you know this. Wounds unhealed, they just fester. And unguarded and uncorrected, we turn this kind of dark shade of bitter when we hold these things. First, the darkness happens to you. Then it kind of happens in you. And if we're not careful, the darkness will then happen through us. And Jesus says, he says, look, I don't want you to live that way. When he says, pray for people who persecute you, love the people who harm you, maybe Jesus is on a mission to help us, to keep us from being angry, bitter people. And what if this is wonderful counselor? What if this is the one who loves us and knows us and he wants to speak into us? What if this is your path to peace? Because peace comes when we allow Jesus to be our counsel. 
The same talk, just a little bit later. It's the Sermon on the Mount still. Jesus is still preaching, and he says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy or where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's he talking about there? Is he talking about compulsive spending? Perhaps. Is he talking about obsessive savings? Maybe. How about stingy giving? Maybe. He's probably talking about all of these things. But he drops this bomb at the end. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So maybe a lady walks into her closet and it's full of stuff everywhere, large closet, clothes, every hanger is full and every spot and rack is stuffed. And she looks and asks the question, why do I have nothing to wear? Now we joke, but my wife is sitting here going, that's your t-shirts, Tom. <laughs> and she would be right. <laughs> There's a few of them. And I'm a little bigger than when I got some of those t-shirts. So they just hang for some reason. So, and she goes, why do I have nothing to wear? And this leads to a moment of insight. She thinks every single item in my closet, like I liked it once because I bought it, right? Why do I love everything I buy but hate everything I own? And then maybe a deeper question, why do I shop when I'm lonely or bored or when the relationship is off? Men, uh, don't smile too large because we only need to look in a few crevices or the garages of our life to see our own toys. And finally, we might ask him or her the question, why, what, if it's empty, what if this empty space I'm trying to fill isn't really my closet or my garage? And Jesus whispers in, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And Jesus, I think, is communicating somehow that my heart gets attached to stuff in ways that I never can quite understand and comprehend. What if this is wonderful counselor? The God who loves us, who made us, is speaking into our life, trying to rescue us from being compulsively accumulating stuff all the time in order to fill something in our life. What if this is our path to peace? Because peace comes when we allow Jesus to be our counsel. Another one, Jesus' disciples, they're having an argument. Did you know this happens sometimes? We get at least two references in the scripture about it. Uh, and on this particular time, they're arguing about who would be the greatest. Like, who's going to be the greatest when in this, in this outfit or in the kingdom? And we think it's silly, but we argue about these things all the time, right? Who's the greatest? Who's better? And they're arguing, and Jesus notices, and he drops this little statement on him in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. He says, for even the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, did not come to be served, but what? To serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus looks at his disciples who are in the middle of this argument, this quarrel, and he says, look, look, I came to this planet not to be served, but to serve, to give myself to other people. And what are you guys arguing about here? What are you getting at? I came to give. I came to serve. Uh, another question. Do self-centered, self-absorbed people annoy you at all? Yeah, they annoy me. So some of you are like, no, no, there, I'm good with them. So, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think you're being annoying. No. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why they an annoy you, self-centered, self-absorbed people. Um, um, but they annoy me because they're thinking about themselves all the time. They probably should be thinking about me. Uh -huh. 
I have a confession. Really, apart from the saving work of Jesus and I think the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in my life, I'm capable of thinking of myself pretty much all the time. And Jesus whispers in and he says, I need you to live for something beyond yourself. Follow me. I came to serve. I came to give. It's a better mission. It's a blessing. And what if this is wonderful counselor? It's the Jesus who loves us, who saves us, who wants to be near us, is drawing us from the darkness of self-centered, self-focused me living. And what if this is the path to peace? Because peace comes when we allow Jesus to be our counsel. One last quick one. One of the most challenging questions Jesus ever asked, and he asked it to his disciples, he asked this question. Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord and not follow my direction? You ever get challenged with this? Do you allow yourself to let Jesus speak this question into you? That's one of the most challenging questions you'll ever hear Jesus say. Let me ask you a question, really two questions. Over the past year, is there an area of your life that Jesus or God kind of whispered into you and said, hey, let's do some growing here. You know that's unhealthy. You know that's, a, that's an, a habit or an addiction that needs to go. That's a pattern that needs to get left behind. You got a hang up that you need to get over here. Um, you need to walk away from that addiction. That temper has got to go. You need to get your financial life in line with who I am. Any chance God's been attempting to get you directed and any chance you said yes? Any chance that you're just like, you're right, Lord, and you just kind of surrendered and you started walking that path, even if it wasn't easy? I know for some of you, because I've, I've heard your stories this year, several hands would go up and say, yeah, I've been walking through this. And you'd say, I'm not perfect, but at least you're moving. Hey, if that's your case, I need you to just take a moment and I want you to experience the smile of your heavenly father. I want you to really experience his joy in you. Take a moment to hear him say, great job, keep moving. It's not about perfection, it's about direction, so keep moving forward with this. That's question number one. Here's question number two. Uh, any chance God was leaning into you this year and saying, hey, listen, uh, this needs to change. Like, that's dark, and you know it's dark. It's really dark. If you stay on that path, you're going to hurt yourself. Uh, you may hurt other people in the process as well. Any chance you just kind of folded your arms and said, no? Or you just tried to get out of God's ear distance so you didn't have to hear that anymore? I'm not doing that. I'm not forgiving them for what they do. This stuff is mine. I like my way better. I would just plead with you today. If your gracious God has been attempting to get your attention and you've said no, maybe you've been stiff-arming God, today, would today be a day that you would just open your hands and you would say, God, I want a new movement and you're the author of it. I need a new movement of you. Pull me from this darkness and draw me. Draw me into you. I want life and I want light. What would it look like today? I mean, like today, before you would even leave here, if you did a little business with the Lord, if you opened yourself up to him and you said this, and maybe you even said it just like this, God, I need you so badly. I need you. 
today for you, that's wonderful counselor. That is the God who made you and knows you and loves you and is on a mission to rescue you from darkness and to draw you to a dawn of light, as Isaiah says. Why would you wait on that? That's available. Why? Because unto us a child has been born, and unto us a child has been given. Jesus is here. He's available. This is your path to peace, because peace comes when we allow Jesus to be our counsel. I want to pray for you this morning, and I want to just tell you, listen, if you already know, like, God has been speaking to you already, and you know what you need to speak to him about, you go and speak. You can ignore my prayer altogether. You just have time in this where you talk directly to God. But I want to invite you to offer yourself over to the Lord today, to reconnect with Jesus if that's what you need to do. If you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus, may this be the beginning. Maybe this be the first day where you say, I'm going to surrender my life and I'm following Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, lead us in this way. Lord, forgive us when we have sought counsel in so many ways, when we've had your word and your voice right in front of us. And we've sought to get out of ear distance or to not open up that, that book. And we've sought our own counsel. And Lord, we recognize that our, our media and our shows and whatever else, they will share counsel nonstop. So Father, forgive us in that. And Father, may at this moment, when we turn our hearts and when we seek your counsel, would we seek what you have to offer? And Father, would we be at peace in you? Lord, this morning, if there be anyone, that this is the morning they need to recommit their life to you, would they do it right here? Listen to them as they're talking to you. If there be anyone in here, let this is the morning for the first time, they're going to say, Lord, forgive me of following my own way. Today, I want to follow you. I want to become a Christian. Would you hear them as they pray that to you? We thank you, Lord, that you are still in the business of transforming lives and hearts. We pray in your son's name. Amen.